Uh, so without any further ado, I want to introduce our guest speaker, um, Terry Fouché. He just spent the weekend pouring into our leaders and our elders at our staff retreat and just ministering to them. Um, he is a spiritual director. He is a church planting collective leader and elder. He'll tell his story a little bit more. He really ministered to our hearts um, during the last gathering. I think there's a special word for people in this room if you've ever struggled with understanding um, not only God's love for you, but that you have a father who created you to know him and that he wants to speak to you and that he cares about the things in your heart. Um, I think God's going to use this message today for uh, So can you please welcome uh, Terry to the stage? Good morning. I hate the word guest speaker. It's just awful. Sorry, Matt. I just want to be a friend. No partner or something like that. But guest speakers like, Ugh. it's like you go to the doctor and your doctor's not there and they've got another doctor and he's like awkward. <clears throat> it's wonderful to be here. Um, I never take these moments for granted. They are very special. Um, it's an amazing thing for a, an eldership team to open the pulpit to someone they don't really know. Well, they know a little bit because they don't know what I'm going to do, how many heresies I'm going to drop in. Um, <laughs> And that's slowly, no. But I think that it, it is a wonderful thing, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. And thanks for being here. I hope you, you've asked the Lord to open up your heart and your ears to hear what the Lord wants to say today through muddled words, through a funny accent, um, illustrations that make no sense because they're from another place, but whatever. God speaks. And if you would be willing to hear, I think something amazing would happen. What I'd love you to do just turn to the person next to you, or the person behind you, or the person in front of you and say, I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. All right, what happened when we did that? What happened? Everyone smiled, everyone laughed, there was joy in the house. Isn't that what we want? The joy of the Lord is that we want our relationships to be healthy and if we could just look at each other from time to time, I'm so glad to be with you. Because Jesus is glad to be with us. He loves to be with us. It delights his heart. And when you come and gather with his people and you turn your heart and your face toward him, he's delighted. Don't forget that. 1 John 3, 1. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. It says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. For that is what we are. Say, that's what I am. If you are here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, a simple step of trusting will bring you into that relationship. But I want you to know this morning that you're loved. But I don't want to stop there because we often say that, oh, God loves you. God loves you. It's like a... But I want you to know that you are lovable. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are lovable and that you're worthy of love. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever think, I'm oh, what a worm I am. 
done everything. I've, 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 I've gone so low that God could never love me. No one could ever love me. Never. It nev- you never get to that spot. At least while you're alive here. Open yourself up to be loved. And if you feel like, I, I don't feel like I'm lovable. I don't feel like I'm worthy of love because maybe because of your upbringing or things that have happened in your life. I'm going to share a little bit of my story around that. I want to say that that can change. If you just come into a beautiful, healthy community where people care and love, you're lovable, you're worthy of love, and you will be loved. Is that okay? I want to start there. If that's all we did this morning, I'd be really happy. Today's not about an intellectual exercise. Today I want to hopefully deposit something really simple in your life. And it's about Advent. We're talking about hope. But hope as a leading to something else. And there's a, you know, there's a deep legacy of teaching in this church. Great teachers. We never we always appreciate that. I'm not coming in that vein today. I'm not a line by line, like systematic teacher, and all my notes are all there. I'm a higgledy piggledy, go here, go there, illustration here. The next second meeting is very different from the first one. I'm that guy. All right. So hopefully you'll get something of the spirit this morning. Um, but this is what I've learned over the years. I've been a follower of Jesus for 43 years. I've been married for 40. I've been a pastor for 38. I've planted two churches in two continents. I've trained many people to plant churches, etc., etc., etc. I just got back from India and Sri Lanka a week ago. The point I'm wanting to make is not, oh, look how wonderful he is. Nobody cares. The point I want to make is this, is that every person... I see is almost struggling with the same thing. They all have the same need as to be loved. Because I've realized over the years, most people really don't know what that means. They feel it's an emotion. Ooh, I feel loved. Loved is to do good towards somebody. When you want to say you love your neighbor, you want to do good toward them. When you want to love your enemy, you want to do good toward them. God says he loves you. He wants to do good toward you. But that's one side. The other side is is that for so many of us, for so many believers, and it doesn't matter what world you're in, discipleship and faith in Jesus resides in our heads. And it doesn't infiltrate our whole being. Everything that we do. And I want to, hopefully this, this morning as we speak about hope, something will shift in that that'll say, actually, my whole life counts for Jesus. When we were with a staff retreat these last few days, we did an exercise where I asked them, What's, what happens in your day every day? I won't tell you who, but the leader of the church, um, no. <laughs> he had six things. The others had more, but as we unpacked it, it was this reality, every one of us wakes up Everybody gets out, well, normally, gets out of bed. 
Everybody goes to the bathroom multiple times a day. Everybody's eating. Everybody's drinking. Everybody brushes their teeth. Everybody gets in there. Whatever. Those are moments to interact with God. If you have kids and you're changing a diaper, it's time to pray. Interact with God. So before I get out of bed in the morning, I process the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23. Every day before I get out of bed. For my rush, I just say them. If I've got a lot of time, I process them. I've been doing it for 12 years. Every day I get out of bed, I put my feet on the floor like that. I'm here, Lord. What have you got for me today? What I'm saying is that allow your whole life to count for Jesus. Every part of it. You know, it's quite a strange thing. Maybe you don't know. This, is, this might be one of the greatest revelations you will ever hear in your life. God created for you to go to the toilet. So don't waste that time. Now, I'm just going to do a side. I didn't do this before. Yeah, Isaac and Emily there, you see that couple there that led worship? You go talk to them about creativity. Because they're all about creativity. And we need creativity in our lives. I was chatting with Isaac just now. And it's like every fiber in his being is just jumping with creativity. And he wants to unleash it in the church. Good. Have a chat with them. Emily will bring you down to earth just a little bit. <clears throat> but it's good. It's so beautiful. I loved it. was wonderful being with you guys. All right. So, on this first Sunday, we're going to talk about hope. What are the four things of Advent? Hope, joy, peace, love. I'd like to speak on all of them but I only get hope. And hopefully at the end, I'm going to link it to a spiritual practice. We did it in the first meeting. I think it went quite well. Who was in the first meeting? Anyone? I think it went, oh, not many. Oh, this is a whole fresh, ooh, I can drop some more heresy in. <laughs> and I hope we get to the, the practices. I think it's wonderful. So what is Advent? What does it mean? It just means arrival. That's the word means, arrival, an expectation of an arrival, of something coming. And so what we're celebrating today is the arrival 2,000 years ago of Jesus, God the Son, incarnate like a baby through a mother's womb into our world to identify with us and then to carry our sins, pay a price, shed blood, etc. That's what we are celebrating. That's what we are remembering today, incarnation, What's happened? but it happened 2,000 years ago. That doesn't mean it's unimportant, it's really important, as we'll see in a moment. But we're also here to have a longing for a second advent, when Jesus will come back. And when he comes back, he's going to make all things right. You know, and for those of you who have struggled with sickness, my wife struggles with an autoimmune disease and has for many years, will be gone. For those of you who struggle with depression, be gone. Those of you um, have just wept over people, all tears, gone. There's whatever you can think of to be done with. God will make all things right. He will re reunite heaven and earth, and it's going to be glorious. So we look forward to that. That's what we're expecting. That's our second advent. And the thing that enables us to hang on to that is the word hope. 
Hope is always a future word. You don't hope for what's already happened. Is that right? You hope for what still lies ahead. And hope really means the expectation, longing, and anticipation of something that will still happen in the future. I hope that by the time we finish this morning, even if it's a little bit, you will have hope and you won't see Christianity as I'm just hanging on by dear life to survive the next minute. But that you will have a longing and expect, oh God, that will empower you for today and we'll cover that in a moment. Hope is based upon a person. It's not based on a set of circumstances. It's on a person. It's a living hope. There's a wonderful scripture, 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 3. Can we throw that up, guys? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is a living hope. If you have hope in expectations and that, it's optimism. I'm not particularly optimistic about the future. But man, do I have a living hope that Jesus is going to come back and make it all right. Because if I didn't have that, kind of the world's a sucky place to live. But with a living hope, it's a glorious, beautiful, creative space to live in. Beautiful, creative, wonderful people in our world. Of all colors and creeds and languages. It's just beautiful. Jesus is coming back for all of that. It's a living hope because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Paul says to us in, one, in Corinthians, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the, de- from the dead, then we, are the- we should be pitied. And if there's no resurrection of Jesus, then there's no resurrection for us. Where's hope? Eat, drink, be merry, open more breweries, drink more IPA. Life is good. All right. Um, but we also have to be careful that we don't miss out something that God's doing. Israel had a longing and a hope for Messiah. I think they're saying somewhere I might, my numbers might be a little bit rough. Something like 500 prophecies in the Old Testament point to Messiah. And Messiah came. And they missed it. They're still longing for that. It keeps them going. We have to be very careful that in a longing and having hope for something that we don't miss what God's doing because we've suddenly it's got weird. And I want to hopefully just anchor that properly into this living hope of Jesus and that's what our hope is in and we don't want to miss that. We're going to keep looking, looking, oh, oh is he coming? Let me, uh, what are the prophets saying? Oh, what are the creatives painting, writing songs about story? What, what, what? Because they'll pick it up before us. The prophets and the creatives always pick up the moves of God before the pastors. So we have to listen. We have to be very careful just to listen what God's doing. So I'm going to use a horrible word. Is that okay? It's the word torture. How many of you love that word? What is, what's the worst torture you could give anybody? Is remove hope. Hope. 
Remove hope. There's no hope. There's no reason to live. You put someone in solitary confinement, and it's dark, and there's no hope. People go crazy, literally go mad. And we say, oh, I don't know. I don't, no one's been tortured that I know. Do you know any tortured souls? People have lost hope. They're in their own prison. They can't see beyond themselves due to whatever circumstance. They're tortured souls. They have no hope. The only way they get out of that is if the light of Jesus by his spirit breaks in. And they can, oh, just a, you know, when it's totally dark, one glimmer of light pierces the darkness. That's all you need, just one glimmer. And you just might be the flashlight that God wants to use in your world for someone who's a tortured soul locked in darkness. So when we talk about Advent, it's wonderful. We're going to celebrate Christmas. I love it. But man, sure it's bigger than that, than us just having a nice Christmas day. So much bigger. I want to tell you, is it right if I share my story a bit? Because my story is ties around this. And before I tell the story, that song, Firm Foundation, that actually summarizes the whole talk. That's it. So if you, if you, if you hate my talking, switch off and go listen to the song. Because it kind of covers it. I had a tortured life. Really, I would have put it like that. And I was born into a family, low income, Mom and dad, my dad was abusive to my mother, uh, physically, emotionally, he was an alcoholic drunk, not a good person. My mom was gonna divorce him, then found out she was pregnant with me, stayed in the marriage. 18 months, he took me, and the abuse occurred, he took me driving one day, left me locked in the car while he got drunk. That was the end of the matter. My mom divorced him. Um, lived, we moved in with my grandparents. So my mom's a single mom, working like, long hours just to make a little, I didn't see her much. I have, it's a funny thing, I'm not saying it never happened, I have no recollection of like moments of where I was hugged, or moments when someone read a book to me. I'm not saying it didn't happen, I have no recollection, I've really tried to go back. I remember a few, in COVID I began, to, I decided I was gonna read Narnia again, and I, I got the Narnia series that's read by those British actors, Kenneth Branagh and all those, I don't even read to them, I wept like a baby in my 60s. Because someone was reading to me. It was an amazing experience. Anyway, I lived with my grandparents. My gra- grandfather, and I'm, I'm not against people with red hair, by the way, but he had fiery red hair, the big freck, and he was a tyrant. But he's only about this high. You want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. Cowboys don't cry. Put your emotions away. It's for girls, not for boys. You know that sort of stuff? My grandmother was loving, but that was. my first six years at school were in six different schools in three different cities. How do you build a relationship? I didn't have brothers or sisters. Survival of the fittest. Then my mom sent me to Catholic boarding school at fifth grade. Ten years old, went off. There were some parts I really loved, a brotherhood, friends I never had. But there was a nasty moment to, the, to those 12. I call it a moment, and for those 
might have this experience, I apologize for the use of the word, but it, it, it's my testimony and how I have verbalized it for years. Emotional rape by seniors to little kids. Bad. But what that led to was me making unholy vows. Many of us have made unholy vows. And they haunt us. Like, anybody comes near me and says something, I'm going to get the first punch or kicking, I don't matter how big they are. You think, that sounds reasonable. But you know what happens? Even if you become a Christian, you don't deal with it. Somebody comes to speak to you, and they feel a little intimidating, you want to, you go on the defensive immediately. Your barriers go up. We don't need that. This emotional was all around tickling. We are tickled and you laugh, you know that one? And then you cry, and then you scream, and then you pee your pants, and then you poop your pants, because when it goes on for half an hour to an hour, that's what happened. The unholy vow is, I will never be ticklish again. You think, that's reasonable. Except when you have kids and they want to play. Now you have to pretend that you're ticklish. So one's a massive one, one's a slightly smaller one. But but you hear what I'm saying? That's one side. But the other side is, I am a victim of sexual abuse by a Catholic priest multiple times. I went back to my 40th school reunion a whole bunch of years ago and I found, oh, I wasn't the only one. The power of the mind to suppress that. There's a reason why I'm telling you these stories. Then you go to the military, everything's now survival of the fittest, because if you're at a boarding school, all boys, you don't cry, you don't, you don't show any weakness, you don't show any emotion. What does that do to you as a human being? It locks you down. You actually become half a person. So, I started skydiving. I've done 850 skydives. I rode fast bikes. I, I mean, I did smoke too much weed. I drank too much beer and whatever. Because I had no hope. I couldn't see anything there. All I could see was, let's live life to the full now. And if I die, we die. And I think later when I look back, I think I was trying to kill myself even though I didn't know I was trying to kill myself. But I wasn't going to do it personally by shooting myself or something. I was actually going to do it through radical living. Does it make sense? I only saw that backwards. I'm jumping a few things. When I was 22, Jesus found me. I didn't find him. I wasn't looking for him. Because I'd gone to the, 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 the religious school. I'm interested in Jesus. His representative abused me. I'm not interested. But Jesus found me. But it wasn't just Jesus. It was the church. Because Jesus saved me, but so did the church. Because Jesus saved me and put me in a family, just like this. And people told me they loved me, and, but they, didn't, they said, you're lovable. They said, you're worthy of love. Nobody told me that before. We'd love to spend time with you. No one did that before. If people ever spend time with this, what could they get from me? 
said to the first group, I, I was invited to this barbecue a few weeks into being a Christian. I found out years later that barbecue had been set up to include me. Now, I wasn't a weakling. I'm pretty, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. You don't mess with me. But I was very weak. Does that make sense? Big facades. And yeah, broken, lost, without hope. And suddenly I got a glimmer. Changed everything. Because hope came in. Now I'm going to unpack that a little more in a moment. Are we okay? Is this all right? God's brought healing in my life over years. The sexual abuse stuff, some of the healing... It's still been, happened two years ago. I feel like I might have got out the final part of it. But I remember I got saved on a Sunday. On a Tuesday, I met with the pastor, and he took me through what we know as the Roman road. If you've been around the road of salvation. And I said to him, Carl, I haven't been looking for that, but that's what I've been looking for my whole life. And I took a piece of chalk. There were no whiteboards. It was chalkboards, 1981. Concrete floor. And I drew a line behind my heels on the ground. And I said, I'm never going back across that line. And honestly, I can say 43 years later, I've never gone back across that line. doesn't mean I haven't sinned. doesn't mean I haven't done it wrong. It doesn't mean that. It just means I've not ever once surrendered said, I'm not going to serve Jesus. If I had short sleeves on, you'll see how. I'm inkchia that has that line in it. As a reminder to me. Um, the pastor said, I want you to read the first letter of John every day for a month. Most people hate first John because it goes around in circles all over the place. But I read it. Here's the point. I've got to keep getting to that verse, 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That's what we are. I couldn't connect because I spoke about a father. I had four fathers before that. My real father, who was abusive and then abandoned me by dying. My grandfather, who was a tyrant, but I loved him and I led him to the Lord. My stepdad, who was not interested in me in the slightest, and the religious father who abused me. I can't connect to the word father. It makes no sense whatsoever. But everywhere is father, father. I asked God for help. And there were no computers in those days. There was no internet. There was nothing like that. But in today's language, God downloaded truth into me. I got it. Just like that. I'm not, not everybody gets it like that, so I'm not, please, that's not what I'm saying, but for me, I got it. He was my father, and I was his son. Not that I was his boy. Everyone's got sons or daughters, but he said, no, you're my boy. How amazing is that? And God began to build from that. See, God brought hope into my life. Hope changed everything because now there was a future. See, before I lived day by day as fatalism, 
Kesarah, whatever happens, happens. If I crash my bike and I die, so be it. If my parachute doesn't open, so be it. Who cares? But now I was living day by day because it's the only day I've got, but I was, God, I want to live this day to the full for you. I've got no guarantee of tomorrow. I have a hope of what Jesus is going to do, but there's no guarantee that physically tomorrow is going to happen. I can't do anything about yesterday. I have today. And I want to live that life to the full. And the thing that empowers me for that day is because I have hope that it counts. I said this in the first thing. How many of you said the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, today? There's a similar number in the first meeting. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying, how often should you pray the Lord's Prayer? Give us this year our yearly bread. Is that what it says? Give us this day. Give us today our daily bread. It's a daily prayer. It's the only day you got. Today, Lord, I want it to count. Today, I want your name to be made great. Today, I want your kingdom to come. Today, I want your will to be done in my life, in my family, in my home, in my town, whatever, as it is in heaven. Will you provide all the things I need to be able to do that? You only got today. Because the bread he gives you today is not, re- is not sufficient for tomorrow. Well, I have no idea where I am. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any person be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. That, when I got saved, my bike went, my guns went, my knives went. Um, I stopped everything. 350, 400 albums, records, vinyl. You know, they're worth a lot of money today. I dug a trench. I put them in. I poured gasoline over them, and I burned them. Why? All my photographs from school. Burned, gone. Why? Because I read that, and I was so, the old is gone. I'm not, saying, I'm not advocating that for anybody. It was good for me then. I had to do it. And I've spent a lot of money getting those vinyl back. <laughs> <clears throat> we need more than hope, though. You can't just live on hope. Hope is something that gives us something else. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance or the confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. We live by faith. But if you have no hope, you cannot have biblical faith. Can I say that again? If you don't have hope, a living hope, you do not have real biblical faith. And we need faith to live by. The righteous shall live by faith. We live by faith not sight. I'm going to unpack faith a little bit because some of you are thinking something about faith. I want to twist it a little bit. I think um, it's not the be-all and end-all on faith. I'm going to oversimplify the word faith for a specific reason. The teachers will come in later and correct me and fill it out. Great. But this is at least partially true. This whole idea we'll get onto faith in a moment. Um, It's this idea that faith is a conduit. That's all it is. Not just all, but you know what I'm saying. Faith is a conduit. So my question for you is, what saved you? Did faith save you? What saved us? Say, God. How? I'll try and trick Ephesians 2.8 says, we are saved by grace. How? 
through faith. So you can't get saved without faith. But if you put faith in faith, you're not going to get saved. Faith is a conduit that's connected to God like a hose. It's open on this side and grace runs through it so that you can get saved, so that you can be empowered to live every day. Because grace is power. Remember Paul, take this thing away from me? No, my grace is sufficient for you. I've empowered you. Grace is ultimately a person, Jesus. Faith is a conduit. Romans 5.1 tells us we are justified through faith. So we can't live without faith. You need faith. Anything not of faith is sin, it tells us in Romans 14. In, in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. What is that saying? Those are weird scriptures actually. But it's actually saying you can't, do the, you can't be, just be self-sufficient. I'm going to save myself. When you say, I don't need faith, you're saying, I don't need God. I can do this by myself. If you can do it by yourself and you don't need God, you've built yourself into the idol of Savior. That's sin. Again, please understand, I'm oversimplifying. Well, how do you get faith? You've got to have hope. Because if you don't have a hope that there's something there, what's there to believe here? But, so, here's the, here's the major point. I've made a lot of points. This is the major point. <laughs> to get hope, to get hope, you have to look backwards. Hope is a future thing, but it's rooted by looking backwards and looking at the faithfulness of God He's faithful to thousands of generations. That's what the song said. He's never let us down, so we can extrapolate that he won't let us down into the future. So if he's been faithful in the past, I can assume he's going to be faithful into the future, and that's my hope. I don't know God is going to be faithful in the future, because it hasn't arrived. But I can look back. Ah, he's been faithful, he's been faithful. Well, I'm assuming he's going to continue to be faithful, therefore I have hope that he'll be faithful. That hope gives me, creates faith. Through that faith comes grace. Do I need grace for the past, the present, or the the future? For now. Because it's the only day I've got. So I look backwards. How do I look backwards? I read the scriptures. Ooh, look how God's been faithful. All his promises. Maybe some of you need to go reread your journals. See, God spoke to you and made promises and they've come about. Prophetic words that God gave you, whatever. Go back. Remember, remember, remember. Ah, oh, I think God will continue. I've got hope. That hope is the basis of faith so that I can receive power, so that I can receive grace today to live life to the full for Jesus. Is it making sense? I hope it is. It's very simple, but it's really helpful, I think. You've only got today. Live it boldly. Wherever you go, the Spirit of God is going. It doesn't matter where you're going. You don't have to preach at everybody. You just have to be with them. 
The Spirit of God's working. Now, sometimes you need to preach. But here I'm saying, your life counts. Your life matters. It matters so much that we had the first advent, first incarnation. Because it mattered so much. Who knows if I'll get through any of this. We don't have faith in faith. So many of us have faith in faith. We actually have faith in God through the Son and the power of the Spirit. It's a Trinitarian faith. It's real. Tell your story to people. I told my story deliberately. I'm not trying to say how bad I was or how good... You're overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of there. Your testimony matters. It's a story. Tell it. My hope, our hope, is in the second advent when God's going to make it all right. Oh, please come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But until you do, I've got today. And tomorrow will become today. Please. You matter. For some people, the only time they will ever interact with the Spirit of God is maybe through you. That's not to make us feel guilty. Just make us aware that we count every single one of us. There are more of you than there are preachers. Okay, so we're going to do an exercise. I've got a, am I right here, Matt? I've left some stuff out. Hopefully you can go and research, dig in yourself. And as I said to the first group, I'm under the authority of the elders here. I don't, if they think what I've spoken is a lot of rubbish, they need to correct it. They really need to. I mean, that's the protection of a shepherd. You need to know you are protected from weird things. I've told them, if I said something today that was totally against what they believe, they need to come correct me publicly, because I gave it publicly. I don't mind that. That's okay. That's all right. We don't mess with God's people or God's word. All right? Is that okay? So... We're going to do a thing called interactive gratitude. Now, gratitude is key to when we remember the faithfulness of God. We're so grateful. I don't know if Isaac can help me here, but in my knowledge, in Hebrew, there's no word for thank you. It's the same in Zulu, where I'm from South Africa. There's no word for thank you. So if I do you a good turn, you don't say, oh, thank you. You say, no, I will tell of your greatness to somebody else. I will tell of what you've done. It's a praise word. Go look at all the words for thank you in the Old Testament. They're all praise words. I'll speak of the Lord's goodness. Gratitude is key to actually functioning and walking with Jesus. And what gratitude does, it's an activity that can unlock the right hemisphere of your brain. Because we get stuck in relationships, we get stuck in our relationships with God, It's like the elevator gets stuck. And then we say, 
You know, someone comes to me, I'm just stuck in my relationship with God, and I say to them, have you read the book of Isaiah? That'll help you. No, it's not going to help you at all. Pray more, fast more, give more. You're taking left brain activity to try to fix a right brain problem. You still stay stuck. Is prayer important? Of course it is. All those are important. So you need right brain something to, and gratitude has been shown in scans. When they actually scan the brain, that gratitude causes your neurons to start firing again. So husbands and wives, you know when you get stuck sometimes? Oh, maybe it's only my wife and I. You know, you feel like stuck. You, know, you feel like, you've, ah, what's happening? Just commit to, you go to one room, I'll go to another room. Father, I am so grateful for my wife. She's been such a blessing. Come back and see what happens. I dare you to try it. You, you, you'll start, you'll get unstuck. So in this idea of remembering so that we can have hope, so that we can live in the future, we want to be grateful, gratitude to the Lord. So we're going to do this. And we want to know that God is with us. So, my question is, how do you know God is with you? Anybody? Okay. So, that's, am I allowed to pu- push back? Is that okay? That's a principle. It doesn't tell me anything. It's a truth. But it doesn't tell me God is with me. How do I know? Peace, that's a good one. They asked Karl Barth, the great German theologian, summarize all theology in one sentence. He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Will we say amen? It's not enough for me, at least. I'm glad the Bible says that. I want the Bible. That's the foundation. But I want to know he loves me. I want to know he's with me. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil, God is with you. So when you're in the valley of shadow of death, God is with me. How do you know? Don't you want to know? I want to know. If your kids can't find you in the house and they start panicking and they fear, they want to know you there. One of the ways is if if you just speak. Oh, dad's here, mom's here. We've got to get to know the voice of God. I hope that was okay, sir. I didn't mean to. Yeah, it was, it was a great example to help. Thank you. We want to hear God. I want to hear God. Well, how does God speak to you? Well, the Bible, that's one way. Prophetic words, that's another way. Few people have heard him audibly through nature. Through all... But if he's my dad and I'm his boy, then I think he wants to talk with me. Don't you think so? If I said to my daughters, when they were born, I wrote a note, I love you, I'm with you, and gave it to them, and that was it. You think they'd be satisfied? No, they wanted to talk, go have a relationship. I love Dallas, who uses that thing. We need a conversational relationship with God. God's interested in whether you lose your car keys, if you lose your car keys. He's interested in where you get a parking spot. No, he's not. Of course he is. Why? Because you're his child. That's why. But he's not interested in little things like that. Says who? No, he's interested in the nations. He can do both. All at the same time. 
with 14 billion people all at the same time? Or don't you believe he's omnipotent? You know what I'm saying? So I'm making a point. If we can hear God, it's a sign that he's with us. If he's with us, that's a living hope. God, the living God is with me. So this exercise is to help us hear God. And God, I think, predominantly as a conversation, speaks in your thought life. Read Isaiah 55 about your thoughts are not my thoughts, my thoughts are higher. You know that text? Go read the whole thing. He's not saying, God, I don't want my thoughts to be your thoughts. He's judging them because they're not his, they haven't combined. Read um, 1 Corinthians 2, where we can have the mind of Christ. And the verses before speak about the Spirit of God making us, making known the mysteries, making known the ways of God to us. Does anyone know the word mutual mind? All right. If you've been married for a little while, do you know that you can sit together with your husband and wife and not say a word yet communicate totally? I know exactly what my wife's thinking. It's called mutual mind. We, we spend so much time, we know each other's. There's a mutual, I have the mind of Christ. I can know what Christ is thinking. That's what it's asking us to have. Well, how do you get there? You practice. How did I get there with my wife? We practiced. When we first met, not too much silence, it's awkward. But now, we used to drive to Arizona to see my younger daughter when she was at college. Drive for six hours, hardly say a word, yet incredible communication. Some of you are thinking, oh, that sounds so wonderful. But it's real. So the exercise is this. You're going to get a piece of paper and a pen or your phone and open up to notes. Can you get all, do all, get all, is that okay? Remember that you don't have to do the exercise. As I joked in before, this is America. You do whatever you want. <clears throat> but if you want to do the exercise and it's really helpful, get out your phone to notes or pen and paper or something. And we're going to do it. It's going to take us three minutes maximum. It's a gratitude, but it's interactive gratitude. All right? So this is how it's going to go. You're going to say, dear God, or Father, Papa, Abba, whatever word you use for God, you're going to say that. Dear God. Someone put it up there. Oh, Holy Spirit did that. Thanks, Nate. Um, dear God, and you say, I am so grateful for something, no more than two sentences. Do not quote scripture, do not make it theological, do not go back and erase what you wrote so that it sounds more whatever. Don't do that, just write it. Dear God, and I was joking, my, my wife did this in a leadership thing and she said, dear God, I am so grateful for garlic. And she explained it a bit. You think, that sounds stupid. I promise you it was, one, it was so moving at the end. So you're, is that okay? Do you know the first bit? Dear God, I'm so grateful for this. As soon as you finish, which take a minute, minute no longer, you're going to say, dear Terry, dear whatever your name is, or my son, my daughter, or however you feel God would address you, you say, dear Terry, and you write what you think God would say to you in response to your gratitude. Does it make sense? Dear God, I'm so grateful for this. 
Dear Terry, what do I think God would say in response to my gratitude? Don't quote scriptures. Don't try to make it theological or flowery. Just what, would you, what do you think you'd write? Just write it. Two, no more than two sentences. We, the exercise is simple. Do you think we can do that? And then I'm going to ask if you're willing, one or two to share. This morning we had three people share. It was amazing. Are you up for it? What's the worst that could happen? All right, let's go. Three minutes. Dear God, dear your name, grateful. What do you think God was saying in response to your gratitude? I did it with the staff. We did a retreat, and I think it went really well. I think it was... Anyway. One more minute. Okay, so some of you are thinking, that's weird. This is new age. We're supposed to be Christians. You're trying to replace the Bible. No, I'm not. I'm trying to give you just a spiritual practice, simple one that can help you. If you don't like it, doesn't matter. Spiritual practice is just a means to an end. Fasting, prayer, just a, well, prayer is a little different. Solitude and silence. They're just a means to an end. What's your name? Anna. If, I, if Anna, isn't Anna amazing? Have you know that she spends hours in solitude and silence? You think, so what? Is she more kind? Is she more loving? Is she more patient? Is there more joy in her life? That's what we want. Not the, pra- the practice just gets you somewhere. So this is a practice to get you somewhere. If you don't like it, do something else. Okay, right? so I'm not trying to be new age here, okay? I'm a solid in the Bible person. Okay, is there anybody? Actually, the power of the exercise is actually when you speak it out, not all the time, but start. So is anyone willing to say, I'll do it, I'll, sp- I'll give mine? Tell us your name. Amy. Okay, speak loud, Amy, so we can all hear. Wow. What do you think about that? Is that the kind of thing God would say to you? Or do you only think God's interested in knitting? Why is God interested in knitting? Because he loves Amy. Is that the kind of thing God would say? 
So here's the question. Was that God or was that Amy? Or does it matter? <gasps> Is that the kind of thing God would say? So if it's not God and it's only Amy, she still feels encouraged. Right? If, she, if Amy had said, Lord, thank you for knitting. And said, Dear Amy, you suck. What would we say? Would we say that's God? No. So we have protections. The protection is the scriptures of the character of God. The second is the community, because you all knew that would not be God, didn't you? Even if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you'd know that God wouldn't say that. And thirdly, the peace of the Spirit. Those are our protections. I want to encourage you to do this exercise lots. But from time to time, speak to someone so you make sure you're not doing this. Anybody else? Be bold. Be brave. You only got today. Just wait for the those people. What do you think about that? It's good, eh? Uh, God would never say he likes coffee. Come on. He's a tea drinker. Oh, that's the kind of thing God would say because he's interested in you. Was it God? Was it Amy? My, I'm putting before you, if you practice, you'll start hearing God more and more because you'll You'll get mutual mind. Your thoughts will begin to be the mind of Christ. You begin to hear him. And you won't have to do the exercise. You will just know the voice of God. Just like your child over time as you practice gets to know your voice. Someone else? Okay, at the back. What do you think about that? Are you getting the point? This is God. God speaks. Because you all feel it. You, you actually feel it. You all smiled. Every time you smiled, there was joy. And, oh, I actually, maybe I do hear God. But I never thought he spoke like that. So I've always pushed it aside. But he's your dad. Is that right? So I want to encourage you to do that. It will help you. Remember, just closing, we train, we don't try. We train ourselves. We don't try, oh, it didn't work. Train. Until it's natural. We're all okay. You're not going to stone me, anybody? Isaac.
Thank you.